you think I would have figured this out before. Uh, maybe I figured it out, but you think I'm finally putting it into practice of trying not to keep putting the cart in front of the horse? You know, I've, I've been real good at getting too far out in front of my skis and mixing my metaphors and all those types of things. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1217, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 don't look now, but it is time once again for a little You Ask, I Answer, the old monthly listener Q&A episode where uh, we take we take some questions, we try to provide something that closely, loosely, maybe moderately resembles value, and, uh, you know, have have a fair, a fair bit of tomfoolery along the way. Uh, apparently, we've been doing this for a while now. Um, I wasn't sure when when we started doing the the Q and A episodes of the show, but apparently it was January 2015 was the first of the monthly Q and A episodes, which is a little bit bananas because it means that this is the the tenth year of Q and A episodes. We're kicking off the the tenth year of doing these kind of episodes every month, which the podcast isn't even ten years old yet. But if you count whether you use your fingers or a calendar, or you just go back through the archives. This is, in fact, the 10th January that we've wrapped up the month with a Q&A episode. So uh, if you're new around here, welcome. We do this every month. If you've been around for uh, you know the better part of uh, nine and, and a half years now, and, and you, you heard the first one of these um, in January 2015, we're still, we're still doing it. We're still doing it. Every month, the last, the last Friday of each month dedicated to your questions, my answers, like I said, a little bit of tomfoolery mixed in along the way. Um, and we got maybe not the, uh, the, the laundry list of questions that we often do, but we got, we got some good ones. We got some non-sensors, um, as always. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, that's the best way to get your questions answered each month. It's not the only way, but, uh, it is the best way. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of nonsense that goes on in the Facebook group as well. Um, but somewhere in the middle of the month, usually, usually right about the middle of the month, I put out a post that says, what are your questions this month? You throw them in the comments, and uh, then then we're good to go. If you don't do Facebook, like like the man, the myth, the legend that is Gary Joe, uh, you're always welcome to send me your your questions via DMs on X or Facebook, or I guess I guess Facebook works as well. But if you don't do Facebook, then you probably don't send DMs on Facebook, uh, Instagram, you know, whatever whatever the the kids are using these days. Well, if the kids are using it, I probably am not because I'm too old for that nonsense. You know, no no TikTok DMs, no Snapchats. Uh, but the Instagrams, the Facebooks, email, you know, whatever works best for you. Uh, I'll do my best to not lose it in the shuffle. The best way to make sure it doesn't get lost in the shuffle, join the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook, or just search for the Disruns tribe. The next time you're mindlessly wasting time on Facebook. He says not from a judgment standpoint, but more from a let's not kid ourselves. That's what we do on Facebook is we waste time. You can waste your time a little bit more productively in our little group. Uh, so come join the party. So with that all said, let's dive into the questions. Like I said, not uh, not a massive list today. Uh, apparently, Melody was too busy to to not chime in with a bunch of questions, but that's okay. L- Lord knows she'll make up for it one of these months. Um, but let's get down to it. First question from Rob: Have you ever trained someone for a four hundred one k? 
There are signups at work all over the place, but no one wants to talk about the training. They say I can start putting money towards it now, but I can't use it until I retire about 20 years away. So it seems expensive, but I can't get a straight answer for the exact amount to register. I'm curious on how an expert like yourself would approach that distance as I figured it's right around 250 miles. This guy with the jokes to kick off the year with the jokes, 401k, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess the way to train for a 401k is, you know, uh, you, you try to you chip in a few miles every month, hope you get that company match. And uh, yeah, 20 years from now, maybe you'll be, you'll be good to go, Rob, but uh, happy new year to you, Joker. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the question. Good luck. Good luck training up for that 401k, my friend. Uh, start now though, that compounding interest thing. That's uh that's legit. Take advantage of it while you're young. Start start training now. Next up, question. Maybe a little bit more of a real question this time. Thank you, Gabriella. From Gabriella. I'm thinking about signing up for a race um at the Suslaw. Apologies for probably mispronouncing that. Suslaw Dunes. How would I go about training for running in sand since I don't live close to a beach? Um you know, this is this is one of those situations, Gabriella, where Clearly it would be ideal, right? If you could, if you could run on some sand, which is hard, like, let's not kid ourselves. Anybody who's ever run on sand, whether it's on the beach proper or whether it's just, you know, it's a sandy section of a trail or whatever the case might be, like it's, it's not a whole lot of fun, right? And and especially if your feet really start sinking in, um, it's softer ground, like, like it's a challenge, but like at the end of the day, you know, if if you, if you end up doing this race, like the, the more well-trained you are just in general, like the better it's going to go. It's still going to be a slog, but guess what? If you were running on the beach to train for the race, it would still be a slog, right? Cause, cause no matter how much you train on sand, it's still hard to run on sand. Like you, of course you're more used to it. Just like, you know, training on at elevation, training on Hills. Like it still makes it, it's still a challenge, but at least you're more used to it. But you know, is in the same vein as, as you know, other conditions that you might not have, you know, if you, if you live where it's flat and you're training a, for a, you know, you've got a hilly race or a mountain race training at sea level, you're, you're going to be running at, at uh, elevation, you're training where it's hu- where it's arid and you're going to run a race where it's humid. Um, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do to prepare for conditions that, that you can't prepare for if that hopefully made at least a little bit of sense. Um, but the more fit you are, the, the more conditioned you are, just, just, you know, just good, solid training, getting, getting some good miles in, um, you know, from my, my heart rate training bias, you know, keeping the heart rate down, really building that aerobic engine, um, it's going to be massive. And then the other thing that I would, you know, certainly encourage again, any, any runner to do, but especially getting ready to, to run on the sand, um, is really lean into some strength training, right? Like lean into some, some lunges, some lower body movements, really kind of try to build some strength in the glutes, in the hamstrings and the quads, um, because, you know, I mean, just the fact of the matter is you're going to, you're going to be working harder to run in the sand than you are, you know, on, on the road or the treadmill or the trail or wherever you would normally train. So, um, and again, the strength training, that's good. That's good. No matter what, it's not like you should only be strength training if you're going to be racing on, on sand. I mean, goodness gracious. How many times have we had questions over the last 10 years of, of Q and A's where we're talking about strength training and why it's good. And, and how many quick tips have I talked, talked about, and it's come up in, in, interviews over the years like like strength training is good in general but especially in this case building some strength in your in your legs is going to be helpful um and then and then the final thought i, I guess that i would have going into a, a sand dune type of race is you know 
as much as you can, just set the ego aside, right? Like your pace is going to be slower. You're going to be working harder. You're going to feel like you're, you're hammering and your pace isn't going to, is going to, isn't going to reflect that. Um, but that's just the nature of the beast again, you know, whether, especially if you got some ups and downs, which I'd imagine that, that dunes probably do, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of hiking, maybe get some gaiters for your, for your feet to try to keep some of the sand out of your shoes. I think that would be a, a, a good investment. Um, but just, you know, as far as training goes, just the, the better training goes in general, just consistency with your, with your running, getting your mileage in, getting some strength training in, um, you know, if you can't train specifically for the sand, like that's, that's the next best thing. Be well-trained going into it and then adapt and adjust and grind and hopefully have fun though. Hopefully have fun for sure. But thank you for the question. Appreciate it. Uh, next up from, uh, the Pacific Northwest, Thessaly chiming in, you know, where she's chiming in from, from the treadmill, obviously. Uh, she says in July, I'm taking on a challenge that truly intimidates me. I'm running a 50 mile trail race with 12,000 feet of elevation gain It's definitely something I've wanted to do, but it's also kind of freaking me out. I have a couple of marathons coming up in February and April, but then nothing until the big race. What do you recommend for between April and July to make sure I can confidently run 50 miles? So, um, at, at the risk of, of, of picking the low hanging fruit first, uh, I'd get off the treadmill and head out on the trails a little bit. Um, you know, just, just in, 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 I mean, I know that you're not completely, uh, uh, unprepared for running the trails cause we did the trail Ragnar together. And, and I, I feel like I remember you saying you've done some trails things otherwise as well. Um, but, but certainly, you know, just running on some, some trails, uh, you can, you can try to crank up the elevation on the treadmill, but it's, it's not quite the same as trails where it's up and down and all around. Uh, but all, in terms of the mileage, which I think sounds like is where the, the question is is mostly focused here, Thessaly, um, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. I, I think that it's easy to look at, here's what I would do for a marathon, right? And you've got a couple of marathons coming up, and, and I know that you're not um, – you, you're, you're not – what's the right way of saying it? You're not a stranger to the marathon distance. Like, you know how to train for a marathon. You've run – I mean, you've, you've, you've already done 50 States, right? Plus I'm sure several States multiple times. I don't know how many marathons you've done. You've done more than a few, certainly more than I have. Like, you know what it takes for you to train for a marathon. Quite frankly, training for a 50 miler, it's not much different and, and, and not much different. Meaning you don't have to do a whole lot more miles, quite honestly. Um, you know, you look at training for, for your, your marathon and, and I don't know exactly what your training looks like, Dusty, but like, you know, I'm going to assume probably, you know, you, you, you get a long run, maybe a couple that are 20, 21, 22 miles, something like that. You feel pretty good. You're confident you can do that extra, you know, three, four, five miles on race day. Um, plus, plus just all the consistency that you're doing when you're not doing long miles, just your daily mileage, things like that. Um, I would, I would say that you probably don't need to do a lot more. The, the, the potential tweak would be to, to maybe add some back-to-back long runs. So where you're doing, you know, whether it's 15 and 15 or a 20 and a 10 or a 20 and a 15, something like that. Um, not tons and tons of them, but a couple times where you're getting, you know, maybe a, a 25 to 30 to 35 mile weekend. Um, do that a couple times and, and you'll be good to go. And I know that that's probably hard to wrap your head around. Um, and, and maybe not something that, that you can, can fully believe until you do it, but you don't have to do like a, a 35 mile run. You don't have to do like a 40 mile run. Um, not that you couldn't. And, and I think that, that potentially you probably could just in terms of experience in the sport. And like, again, you know, it's not like, it's not like that's, that's, it's not like your body wouldn't be able to, to build up to something like that, but you don't need to, it's not necessary. Um, when, when I did the, the 45 miler a couple of years ago, 
I mean, I didn't look back at my training log, but I don't, I don't think I did a single back to back. I might've extended out my, my Friday runs from like five or six miles. I might've done a couple that were like eight, eight or nine. Um, and then, you know, on Saturday go out and, and, and have Kate drag me around town for 21, 22, 23 miles, something like that. Um, but that was it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I probably did that a couple of times and it's only got lots of 16s and 18s and 20s and things like that. Um, but I didn't do a marathon distance run. I don't think in that, in that lead up. Um, certainly didn't run a proper marathon race in that, in that lead up. Um, and I was fine. I, I like, I felt really good because, because I think what gets lost sometimes, especially from, from us more road marathon-y type of people, uh, is that you don't run a 50 mile race. Like you run a marathon, right? Like it's, especially with 12,000 feet of elevation. Um, you know, you're going to be doing some walking. You're going to be doing some hiking, especially on, on some of the uphills, right? Like you're not, we're, we're not trying to, to, at least I'm assuming that the goal isn't to like win the race and set a new course record and things like that. Right. Like, like you're going out there to run well, to, to push yourself, to challenge yourself. But ultimately, you know, like, like again, at least my assumption would be, it probably doesn't matter too much if it takes you, you know, whatever, 10 hours, or if it takes you 11 hours, or if it takes you nine and a half hours, or if it takes you 12 hours and 20 minutes, like, like however long it takes you is how long it takes you. The goal is to get to the finish line. Um, so do some walking. You know, when I did the, the 45 miler, um, I'm pretty sure my, my goal was to basically run to every aid station. And there were, there were aid stations about every three miles on the course. Uh, it was, you know, nine mile loop basically. So there were two aid stations and the start finish line aid stations. So I just ran from one aid station to the next stopped, got something to eat, played with the dog that was there. Um, spent a few minutes, walked a little bit coming out of the aid station just to kind of um, relax my legs. I might've even walked every mile. I can't remember, but I think it was just every aid station, but I'd walk, I'd walk for a couple, you know, five, three, four, five minutes coming out of the aid station. Then I'd start running again till I got to the next aid station, stop, get something to eat, something to drink, talk for a minute, um, start walking, walk for a little bit, um, uh, then start running again. And so, you know, that, that pacing, I guess what I'm trying to say, like, not only is your running pace going to be hopefully a lot slower, than, you know, your, your marathon BQ type of pace. Um, but there's going to be, there's going to be intentional walking. Hopefully there's gonna be intentional walking. I would advise you to be intentional about doing some walking, especially on the uphills. Um, you know, one thing I did that certainly didn't have that to, to navigate with, with the race that, that Kate and I ran, um, it was flat, right? There was no elevation. We might've had 12 feet of elevation over the course of 45 miles, certainly not 12,000 feet over the course of 50 um, but when you have those types of hills and mountains, like you, you hike the mountains, like there's no sense trying to run them. So, so it, it, I think that maybe the biggest thing that you're going to need to to work on between April and July, um, isn't so much your fitness, you know, just kind of try to maintain, you know, obviously you want to recover after the, the marathon in April and give yourself a little bit of a break there and then kind of get back into it and, and kind of maintain that, that not quite peak marathon fitness, but kind of that high end volume. Um, but really focusing on working on your mindset and how, and your strategy and like walking is not only okay, but that's probably smart and a good plan. Um, and what, you know, kind of working on some of that stuff because y- your, your body will go with the 50 miles. Like I have zero, I have zero doubts about that. Um, I have zero doubts about your brain going well as well, but like that's, that's the piece of the puzzle for the ultra for sure. Um, so, so I'm excited to hear how it goes. Um, but honestly, like, you don't really need to build much between April and July. You need to maintain, maybe do a couple of back-to-backs, like I said, um, but work on it, kind of that different strategy 
and with pacing, and I think you'll be fine. I know you'll be fine. I know you'll be fine. Uh, also from Desley, happy Leap Month for February. Any leaps from you that we should look forward to? Um, I don't understand that question, Desley. What, what are leaps? And 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 I I even multiple times tried to Google what is a leap associated with leap year, leap year leaps, leap month leaps, um, and got nothing. Got nothing but like just like the science of like you know the year takes actually three hundred and sixty five point two four one seven five 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 days to orbit the the um, orbit the sun. Uh, so every four years we got to do this to catch up on it. And then every, every hundred years we skip the leap year and like, blah, blah, blah. Like that's all I could find when I was Googling leaps associated with leap year, leap month, leap, whatever. Um, so I don't know. I mean, is it supposed to be something like exciting, something, some way to take, like, I don't know. I have no idea. So I guess that means there's nothing to look forward to. Cause I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I don't know what to look forward to. Sorry, maybe that's what something that the, the the cool kids are doing. I'm not decidedly not a cool kid, so no, there are no leaps for me to look forward to uh, next month. Certainly not. Uh, but thank you for the questions, milady. Hope uh, hope all is well out west, and uh, hope that that marathon training for the February race is uh, hopefully going very very well at this point. Next question from just up the road in Atlanta from Ellen. Uh, how have you been handling this cold snap that Georgia has been having? Remind you of those Michigan winters. So, so yes, it has been chilly, um, the, the last week or 10 days or so, or the, the, the kind of early middle part of January. Um, uh, but no, Ellen, it does not remind me of Michigan. It reminds me of Michigan between like potentially on Halloween, although it would have been a cold Halloween, but there were, there were times that there was snow on, on Halloween. So not unheard of, um, uh, but certainly it reminds me more of like, early November. So like, I don't know if you want to call that Michigan winter. I don't think that early November is Michigan winter, uh, but nothing about the Georgia cold Southerners losing their minds, freaking out. Um, none of it reminds me of like Michigan winter because it's not even remotely. Cl- it's, it's Michigan late fall at best. So, and I'm not saying it wasn't cold. Like, I mean, you know, it was, it was whatever, 21 degrees uh last weekend when i went for my long run and like sorry but like that's cold now is it is it like shut down the earth cold like i would say no (laughs) but um you know 21 degrees is 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 chilly but like negative 21 would if it if it it hits like negative 21 down here i mean that would have been that'd have been colder than where we lived in michigan for sure um because got that got that heating blanket of lake michigan keeping us a little bit more moderately warm in the winter um, but 21 for like four hours, you know, it was below freezing for like 12 hours and people were losing their minds. Do I need to run the tap all night? Like, no, no, I get that. Our pipes aren't insulated like they are where it's, it's proper winter, but like your pipes also aren't going to freeze the second the temperature drops down to 31 and a half degrees or negative 0.5 degrees to those of you that speak, uh, Celsius. So no. Nothing, nothing about this reminds me of Michigan winter, just Michigan fall. And I'm here for, I'm here for Michigan fall, um, ready for, for proper spring, not quite ready for summer yet, but I'm sure that'll get here before I want it to. But, but yeah, they, we, we got to do a lot, lot worse than a, 10 days of, of pretty serious cold to start reminding me of Michigan winter in Georgia. Um, for sure, for sure. But thanks for the questions, Ellen, or question, one question, Ellen. Next up from Lewis. And, and Lewis, I'm going to apologize to you straight off, right? Like I, 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 
I have a little fun with you sometimes on your questions. Um, but your your question, your first question here, that's your serious question. I do not understand it at all. So I'll try, but like, I got I got nothing for you, bro. And and this is not me trying to poke fun. I do not understand the question. So your serious question. Currently, I have a dedicated slash required treadmill day that's Sunday afternoon. But lately on Saturday mornings, the local Y has been putting on adult basketball at my normal running time, 7 a.m., with pickleball right after at eight from 8 to 10 a.m. They don't have an indoor track, and they don't want to open earlier than 7. What can I do? I mean, un- unless you... you so, something's getting lost in translation. Somehow I'm not understanding this because as I, as I read it and I've read this question like six times trying to figure out what am I missing? You're running on the treadmill on Sunday afternoon and the Y has like basketball and things going on on the, on the gym court, uh, on Saturday morning, but like you don't run on the treadmill on Saturday morning. Right. So just t- take yourself outside, which I'm assuming is what you like, like that's to me, like that's, that's like, I, I don't understand. So I don't know if you like, I, I don't know, run on, run on Saturday morning like you normally would because why does what the why doing on Saturday morning have any impact? So again, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something. Maybe there was a typo. Maybe you put the wrong day somewhere and that's and that's what's throwing things off. Um, but ultimately, you know, I mean, kind of going back to your question from a couple months ago about what do you do to maintain your streak on around holidays and things like that, like just adapt, bro. You know, like, like you know, if, if you normally run on the, on the treadmill in the afternoon, uh, but you can't for some reason, or you're normally trying to run like whatever. Somehow there's an external factor that's 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 messing with your routine. Uh, you know, can you run outside? Can you shift to later? Like you just got to be adaptable, you know. And and um, hopefully you can figure out a solution that that works for you and works for the the setup and the situation that you're in. Uh, but apologies that I can't give you any any more specific ideas because as I as I'm reading your question for like the the, the umpteenth time. Um, I don't see anything in your question that, that, that is, is a conflict and clearly there is a conflict, right? Like I'm not trying to dismiss that. I just don't, it's not lining up for me, uh, how there's a conflict. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you can be flexible with your schedule as much as you can. And if you're a routine guy, like I am, I know it's tough, but I'm sure that there's a solution and I hope you can figure it out and sorry that I can't shine a little bit more light on it. Um, now for me dismissing a Lewis question, just straight up, uh, elite question. Who do you think will get the top three men's and women's spots in the Orlando, in Orlando at the marathon trials? Don't know. Don't care. Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you three, three people total that are racing that, that I think I know a couple people that are racing, but like three people that like legitimately have a shot at winning it. Uh, they're getting the top three spots. I, I have zero idea. I guess I'll find out next month, just like everybody else. Nonsense question. What's the craziest weather you've ever run in? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it depends on your definition of crazy. Um, I mean, Rebecca would tell you I've ran in a hurricane. I, I would disagree on that. Um, maybe, you know, ran in like the outer bands of a hurricane where it was like a little bit windy and kind of spitting down some rain, but it wasn't like the trees weren't bent over. Right. You know, like, like it wasn't like proper hurricane. I, I don't think, and I'm not even the one from Florida. Um, but I, I mean, I suppose probably that, um, I don't know. I mean, the Marine Corps, uh, 2019 was a little bit monsoony there for the first 15 miles or so. That was a little bit crazy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I've ever really run anything super gnarly, like never anything just 
like I mean, you know, it ran in Florida for ten years, so it was hot and it was humid and it ran rained sometimes and sometimes there was, you know, outer bands of storms. But again, like outer band, like it's you know, it's wind gusts that are you know whatever windy, but not like not bend over your stop sign windy, you know. So like I don't know, I don't I don't think I've ever really run any crazy weather to be quite honest with you. Some rain, sure, um, but whatever, like. I could, I could run on the treadmill, but I'm not going to do that. So running some rain, running some wind. Um, that's about it. Nothing, nothing too, nothing too gnarly. Although again, maybe some people would say I've ran in a, in a hurricane or two, but y- your mileage may vary on the spe- on what that exactly means. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully that something, hopefully something in there was, was useful, Lewis, but uh, good luck with figuring out how to adapt your schedule as necessary. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for the questions, my friend, as always. Next up, from Michaela, I have a kind of a chicken and the egg type of question. Do you think a coach makes people more accountable, or do you think they hire a coach as they were ready to make more of a commitment? Um, I mean, I think I think it can go both ways. I think that that um, <laughs> without 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 being that guy, but I guess we've made it this far already, so I might as well throw it down. It depends, right? I, I think it depends. Um, I think that some people absolutely do look into whether it's me or other coaches hiring a coach um, as something that kind of an external accountability thing, you know, like they, they want to, to be more consistent. They want to, to, to do it, but they're struggling for whatever reason. And so it's like, all right, well, if I'm, if I'm paying somebody some money every month and if they're, they're checking in with me and like saying, Hey, what did you do? And how did you do? And what's going on? Um, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to feel whether it's, I'm going to feel guilty or I'm going to feel like I want to make sure I'm, I've done it before they check in so that I can say, yep, job done. Um, whatever. I think that, I think that for some folks from certain mindsets or certain, certain perspectives, like absolutely having that, that coach, that external person, that accountability, you know, component is huge. Um, and, and as you know, but, but, you know, just, I mean, I've talked to a lot of folks that I, that I do coach over the last six, eight weeks. Um, and that's been something that's come up a lot is that, you know, having, having me as their coach, to kind of help keep them accountable has been, has been a useful piece of the puzzle. So clearly like that's something that, that some people absolutely do. Um, that said, I think that there's other folks that, that, that absolutely are ready to make more of a commitment. Um, and they're, 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 they're looking for a coach for more of, um, for more of the guidance, more of the, the mentoring, more of the, the scheduling and the workouts and the, here's why we're doing this way. And here's why we're doing it that way. And, and, and sometimes maybe even a little bit of a protect me from myself scenario where it's like, and I know if I, if I don't have somebody telling me to only run to quote unquote, only run whatever, four miles instead of eight, you know, I, I might run myself into an injury type of thing. So, you know, I, I think that, that it can, it can be both. And I think it can be that, that there's some folks that it's very much accountability. It's very much more of, um, I'm ready to make the commitment. And this is kind of an external, external validation or, or maybe not external validation, but like, this is kind of an external, you know, symbol of my commitment that like I'm, I'm hiring a coach and I'm, I'm, you know, going to do what, what he or she is telling me to do. And I'm going to trust that their process and we're going to, we're going to work together in this way. Um, and I think that it can go back and forth too. I think it can start as one and kind of morph into the other. And I think it can morph back. I mean, I think, I think it's, you know, and again, I, I know I'm, I'm totally hedging and I'm totally, it depends in, um, but just kind of with the chicken and the egg, right? Like, like you can make a really strong argument both ways and you can kind of muddy the water and kind of go, well, yeah, but you know, how would you have, have an egg if you didn't have a chicken first, but how would you have a chicken if you didn't have an egg? And like, like, you know, like, like they, 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 it's, it's hard to parse them apart. And I think that, 
that as I'm understanding your question, it, it can be difficult to parse it apart there too, because it, it, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a blurry line. Um, and unlike maybe the chicken and the egg where the chicken can't necessarily go back into the egg. I think that it can go back from, I need the extra accountability to now I'm more committed and I need the extra guidance and maybe the extra push, but not so much the account. Like I'm going to show up and do the run, but I want a little bit of extra nudge to, to go towards my goals. And then sometimes it's, it's, I'm struggling right now and I need that little bit of extra accountability. Um, so I think it's, I think it's both and ultimately, um, but ultimately, again, it, it depends on the person. What does the person need? And, and depending on how they're looking at it, how they're coming from, they might say it's all about the accountability. They might say it's all about, you know, I'm ready to make this commitment and signing up with you and working with you is helping me that that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, both, both kind of, or at least potentially both. It depends. It depends. Sorry, y'all. Uh, next up, Tom Trifecta. First question from Tom. What do you think about running as a warm up just before starting a marathon? I like to do dynamic stretching before a marathon, but I never feel like I need to run before a marathon. I've seen lots of people warming up by running before a marathon. I try to save my energy. The situation is different for shorter races where I do stretching and a short warm-up run. I like to do the first mile of a marathon as a warm-up, especially when it's really crowded and you can't really go that fast. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm right on board with you, Tom. I, I think that I, I am, am as close to 100% in lockstep with you. That, that logic makes perfect sense to me. Um, I don't think I've ever really done a, a run before a warm-up, except for I think maybe there were once or twice where you know, I was I was late getting to the starting line, maybe because I forgot my shoes or something. I don't remember. Um, but I, I may have ran a little bit when there was a little bit of a hike from the parking lot to the to the starting line. I feel like that's probably happened once or twice. Um, but it wasn't like an intentional, like, I'm trying to run to warm up. It was more of like, I need to get my ass there before everybody's gone and they close down the starting line. Um, so in that situation, maybe I ran a little bit for a warm-up. But otherwise, yeah. Um, and, and I think, too, you know, kind of getting more to some of the logistics of it, like, you know, even if you're trying to race, unless you're, unless you're, you know, I mean, unless you're legitimately trying to set a world record, right? And even then, even then, you know, when you watch the world majors, when you watch, um, you know, whoever Kipchoge or other guys or other, other women that are, that are up there that are running, you know, for the guys that are running 201, 202, the, the ladies are running whatever, 230, 231, 232, somewhere in that range. Um, they're not hammering from the drop, right? Like they're hammering according to us, right? Cause like, like, but their first couple miles, I mean, sometimes at, at Boston, I feel like, you know, it's, it, it, every year when you watch Boston, like, Oh my gosh, it's such a slow pace at, at, for the first few miles. Right. Like, like they're just kind of loosening up and shaking out their legs and kind of getting a feel for, for what's going on. You know, and they're running whatever six minute pace or, or five, probably even faster than that. Probably, you know, the guys are probably running five forties, five thirty five, five forty. Um, but for them, like, that's not, that's, that's not, a, that's not, a, that's, that's not hammering, right? Like it's not easy probably, but it's also not like something where they're really, so, so they're kind of even warming up for the first few miles of those races. Um, you know, they don't usually drop the hammer until 16, 17, 18 miles, but again, like they're moving faster, but I think that it, that's one of those where you can scale it for us mortals too. Right. And it's like, you know, maybe your, your, your goal pace for your marathon is, is whatever, uh, you're trying to average seven, seven minute pace or eight minute pace or whatever it is. Well, like you're probably, it's it's really tough to go out and run 26.2 miles and be perfectly spot on seven minute pace or eight minute pace or 722 or 841 or whatever it is. It's hard to be spot on for 26.2 miles, right? So you go out that first mile or two is probably going to be a little bit of a warm up. Eventually you're going to kind of settle in. Um, and, and, and it's not like you're trying to make a move at mile 17, but like, as the race gets longer, you start to just lock in a little bit tighter, lock in a little bit harder, push a little bit, dig a little bit deeper. Um, so I don't think that there's much of a need, as much of a need to warm up 
a lot before a marathon because you're not like, yes, you're working hard. I'm not trying to say that you're not, but you're not redlining like you would for like for a 5k. If you're going to race a 5k, you better get yourself out there and warm up beforehand with a, with a mile or two of running, right? Like you, you better make sure those muscles are loose in the tent because you're hammering. I mean, you, you know, if you're racing a 5k hard, and I don't care if, if racing a 5k hard for you is 17 minutes, 27 minutes, 42 minutes. Like if you're pushing hard for 3.1 miles, whatever that is for you, like, you know, you can't, it's not a full sprint, but my gosh, it's pretty darn close. Like you're, you're, you're getting after it from, from the second the race goes off. Otherwise you're not going to, you're not going to PR, right? Especially if you've raced hard before, right? Like, like, like you don't have, you don't have 400 meters to warm up in a, in a hard 5k, you know? So, so yeah, the shorter races, you got to get that warm up in, but for something longer, I mean, almost even for a half, for a, for a half marathon, you can use the first half mile or a mile to like, again, I mean, it's not like a casual lollygag and warm up, but like you can be a little bit slower than goal pace for the first half a mile or a mile of, of, you know, a half marathon is certainly for a full marathon kind of loosen up, settle in. And, and also to your point, like let the crowd kind of spread out. So you're not wasting a bunch of energy trying to bob and weave around folks. Just kind of let, let the crowd loosen up a little bit and then kind of settle in and go. So yeah, I think I think running before a, a marathon warm up. I mean, you do you. You do what works for you if that's if that's your thing. Um, but I, I like it's it's a little eye rolly for me when I see people doing that. Like it's just like eh, you know, like they're they're not pushing themselves so much that they're really burning a lot of energy. But at the same time, like you know, it, it, I don't think that running that mile and a half beforehand at whatever goal pace minus a minute and a half or two minutes really makes that much of a difference by the time you get to mile 24. I mean, again, maybe for the elites, it probably for the elites it does, but for us mortals, probably not, probably not. So you do you, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be right there with you, Tom, doing a little bit of maybe a little bit of bouncing, a little bit, of, a couple of squats, lunges, things like that to loosen up, but we'll use that first marathon or first mile of the marathon to really kind of warm up and then, and then go from there. I like that strategy. Next up from Tom, any football games on this weekend? I don't know. Probably not. You know, as, as a Lions fan, we get to, to mid-late January. The, the season's long been over. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about a Super Bowl yet. So um, there must be some kind of game going on at some point. I don't know, maybe Pro Bowl. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You know, we're already, us Lions fans, we're already looking forward, forward to the draft at this point, right? Like, are, are we going to hire fire our coach, keep him? I don't know. Um, but I'm sure I'll probably tune in on Sunday anyway just to see if there's a game on and, you know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Is there a football game? Not for you people in Western New York. There's not. Bah! Zinger. Dang. Sorry, Tom. I didn't mean to get personal on you like that, but uh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. That wasn't even premeditated. That was just spontaneous. Sorry about your luck, my friend. Uh, Anyway, last question from Tom. For the last nine months or so, I've been trying to keep my easy runs in zone two for my heart rate. I feel like I recover more quickly. It's less stress on my body. This means I often have to take short walk breaks, even if my heart rate starts to spike. Uh, dot, dot, dot. However, the downside is when I'm racing, I now have to concentrate on not stopping and to actually push harder during a race. Do you have any trouble transitioning from easy running to actual racing? Um, no, no, I don't think I do. I think, I think where I struggle the most and may, and I'm sure there's probably some overlap here. Um, I struggle the most with really pushing hard when it's a, when it's a speed workout, when it's a hard workout. Um, that's, that's where my struggle comes. I feel like race day, um, 
race day, like is for me, you know, who races as, as infrequently as I do, especially if I'm really going to go hard. So if it's a half marathon or less, like it happens so infrequently that like I'm, I'm locked in, right? Like I'm going. Um, and so, so, you know, I, I, it's hard during a race, but like, you know, it's kind of one of those, this is my opportunity, right? This is, this is, this is where I can see if what I've been doing, what I've been preaching is actually working. And so far I haven't been let down, you know? Um, I also often go into, to race at least the last, the last half marathon I raced hard and the last 10 miler that I raced hard. Um, I went into both of them with kind of like, I think maybe I could do X and ended up running significantly faster. Uh, kind of surprised myself. Um, in both cases, like five minutes faster. Um, so I guess that means I didn't really have a hard time concentrating and pushing on race day. Uh, but on, on workouts, I absolutely do. Absolutely do. Um, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what that is. I, I, I don't, for me personally, I don't view that as an issue with the heart rate training and getting, getting used to running, running more easily, a little bit slower, things like that. Um, and to your point, it sounds like it's really working. You're recovering quicker, less stress on the body. I mean, those are good things, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, on race day is, it, it is a little bit more of an adjustment, but, um, hopefully, you know, the more you continue to do it, I mean, for nine months, like that's, that's been a while, but at the same time, like nine months is still, still relatively early in the, in, in to where you really are starting to see progress in the heart rate training. Um, so if, you know, I, I would say that in another, you know, six months, eight months, a year, um, hopefully you'll have an easier time pushing it on race day in large part, just because your engine will be that much more, more strong, right. From, from doing the easy rain running from building up that aerobic base. Um, you know, you may feel like you're not pushing quite as hard as you could, but when, when the, the clock, when you're, when your watch says you're going faster than you anticipated, um, you know, that's feel like that, that helps me too. Right. That helps to motivate me. I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I was, I was hoping to run, um, you know, this, this, this 10 miler in, in 75 minutes and I'm, I might could run it in 70. Well, okay. You know, let's lock in, let's go, let's go. Um, and, and, you know, you start to see that, that, wow, this is really working. I'm having a good race and I just got to hold on. Um, and that's been able to help me too, or I've been able to use that, I think, to help me keep going. So keep going. Uh, it sounds like it's working. Um, and, and, you know, I think there is something to be said for just getting some more reps, right? Like, like in, in nine months, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, a couple more good races, it'll start to click for you a little bit more. Um, but you know, long, long winded way of getting to your answer. Like, no, I haven't had any trouble with that on race day, but like I said, workout day, definitely still an area where I don't know if I just need to get more, more mentally focused instead of just kind of like decide in the morning of like, Oh, I guess this is the workout I do. Maybe I need to think about it the day or two before I go, all right, this, this week's workout is going to be a tempo run, or it's going to be a fartlek run, or it's going to be a, you know, whatever hill repeats or this distance repeat or whatever. And like, really like lock in and commit to it. Um, and maybe that'll help me lock in a little bit more on, on training, but, uh, good luck to you. And, and kudos to you. You, you know, you know, you're speaking to my, my, my little curmudgeon heart. You're talking about committing to zone two and heart rate training. I love it. I love it. Keep it up. Thanks for the questions as always, Tom. Uh, next up, another one from Michaela. So the next race I have, I know I won't make the cutoffs. I've been told I should go as far as I can and have been told that I should also drop out and let somebody who's on the wait list, uh, you know, get into the race. Somebody who probably, you know, potentially won't miss the cutoffs. What are your thoughts on this? I can't be the only one that has had this struggle. Um, I think that's a, that's a great question, Michaela. And I, I, 
I don't know what the answer is, quite honestly. Um, because I can I can 100% see both sides of it. And this isn't even an it depends. This, this is a, I don't know. Um, because, like, there is something to be said for showing up and doing the best you can. Right? Like, there, there's absolutely a solid rationale for that. And just, just yeah, you signed up for the race, and for whatever reason, like, training hasn't gone or whatever, um, you know, there's going to be a cutoff at some point that you're not going to, you're not going to get past the aid station at such and such a time. So you just go out, you do the best you can, um, you know, use it as an experience, use it as a motivator for the next race, wh- whatever, so on and so forth. Um, I think you make a lot of good arguments to do that, right? At the same time, you know, if it's a race where there's, there's a wait list of people that want to run the race and that in theory, you know, are in a position where they could, they could, they could finish the race and not have to worry about the cutoffs. I mean, I could see some something of a solid argument to be said that, like, you know, if you already know, like, it's not like I'm not sure I'm going to make the cutoffs. Like, like I know I'm not going to make the cutoffs. Um, you know, stepping aside so somebody else can run. The, like, like I could see that being the chivalrous thing to do. I could see that being, um, in certain, you know, in certain instances, like, like yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, but it's not like you're injured. It's not like you're not going to start, right? So, like, like. I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly don't know what, what the thoughts are, what the, what the answer is. I don't know that there is a, I'm pretty sure there's not a right answer. Um, I mean, I think I would lean towards, towards doing what you can, you know? Um, but it's not a firm, like that's a hundred percent the way to go. I mean, I think, I think it kind of depends on, on, you know, kind of knowing yourself and like, what am I, what am I going to feel like? knowing that I'm not going to finish, like, like not so much worried about what somebody else, you know, could have done if they, if, if I, if I stepped aside and let them, you know, somebody on the wait list run, but like, you know, are you going to be, are you going to be disappointed that you get to, you know, halfway through the race and they're like, sorry, you didn't make the cutoff time. Like, even though you know, it's going to happen, like, are you going to be disappointed in yourself? Is that going to be, be some type of spiral, um, where you potentially like, God, I failed. Like, why did I even try? And like, and like get yourself in that type of situation. Um, in which case then it's probably, probably not worth it. Right. But if if you're going to be in a situation where you're like, all right, like that was like, clearly I didn't, I'm not as prepared for this race as I could have been. Um, but coming out here, you know, I got, you know, whatever distance and it went, it went about as well as I expected. But if it turns into some type of fuel that motivates you to get, get, you know, get a little more locked in with your training and continue to, to build and, and, um, you know, put yourself in a position where the next race, whether it's this race again in the future or whether it's just the next race, whatever, um, there isn't that concern and you're able to just go and cruise and have a good time. Then like, I could see that being a very good reason to do the races. It would be a springboard. It'd be a good motivation going forward. So, um, I think this is kind of very much one of those introspective questions where you need to kind of be honest with yourself and kind of look through it from both sides. Um, and also think about what it's going to be like when, when, you know, you get to the point where they're like, sorry, but you're, you know, you're, you're past the cutoff time and we can't let you keep going. Um, how are you going to get like, like what's the likely feelings that you're going to have at that point? And if there, if there's something that can be positive, then I say probably go for it. And if it's something that's, that really has a decent potential of being a negative, um, then maybe in that situation might be better to, to say, you know what, let's, let's maybe not play with fire here. You know, if, if that's what it's going to potentially be like. So, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't think that there's a right answer. I think this is as, as close to a, everybody's got to make the right decision for them scenario as it probably gets. Um, 
to again to where I don't even think it it gets to an it depends scenario. I think it's I think it's very much a I don't know and there's not a right answer. There's not a wrong answer. There's a your answer, and you got to kind of do the work to figure out what your answer is. Um, so good luck, good luck. Um, but thank you for asking that because, like I said, I think that's it's a really I think I know you're not the only one, and I think it's a it's something that's that probably doesn't get talked about very much ever really. Um, so thanks for for shining some light on it. I appreciate that. Next up from the Lone Star State, Hilda asks. Any recommendations on how to start adding speed work after coming back from an injury? I hear and read so many different approaches to this. Fartleks, strides, yassos, tempo runs, mile repeats. Where do I start? How long? How often? I would prefer a very conservative approach. Um, Hilda, I mean, I think that that your last line is the line. That's the answer. It needs to be conservative. Um, and and without, without, I'm glad you didn't give any names on who said some of these different things because I disagree with just about all of those approaches. At least, at least on the surface, because on the surface, I mean, maybe strides, maybe, maybe that would be a good place to start. That's probably a pretty conservative, but like fartleks, that can be a pretty intense workout. Yasos definitely are intense. Temple runs, yeah, mile repeat, like, like there's a lot of intensity in there. And I mean, I don't care what injury you are. I don't care if you're 16 or 26 or 56 or somewhere in between or somewhere on the, on the other sides of those spectrums, like when you're coming back from an injury, like, let's just break this down, right? You're injured. Whatever the injury is, you're injured. Something, something broke in your body for lack of a better way of saying it, whether it's a strain, whether it's a tear, whether it's an itis, whether it's a, a structural thing that something literally broke, like something wasn't right in your body. So you had to shut it down. Um, hopefully you've done the, the, the necessary work in terms of recovery and, and strengthening and, and rehab and whatever, whatever is necessary. Um, but you, 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 it's easy to lose sight of, and, and and you know, here's there's a lot of it depends in this in this answer. You know, so so chug along, everybody. Um, but like, how long were you out? You know, were you injured for a month? You know, if you not run for for three weeks, four weeks, if you not run for six months, if you not run for a year and a half, like like there's a lot of of other variables that are in play here that that really help to determine the right answer. But I think the right answer is conservative on all of them because it, no matter how long you've been out, like intensity, speed work. Like the more intense a, a, a workout is, the more stress it puts on the body, the more likely that, that if there's a weak link, that's maybe the injury that you're coming back from, but also very well could be something completely different, right? Because, because when we're injured, we spend so much time focused on solving this problem, right? If you got a calf strain, you spend so much time rehabbing your, your, your one calf and you're, you're massaging it and you're loosened up, you're foam rolling the hell out of the, out of the right side, but you probably don't do anything to the left or you do very little to the left, right? You do all the strength work, you do eccentric work, you're doing all this stuff to, to strengthen the right side, to help compensate for the injury, to make it stronger than it was before you got injured. And then I couldn't tell you how many times that somebody is like, does all this work. They're, they're feeling great on, and again, it could be a calf. It could be a, a, an Achilles. It could be an IT band. It could be a runner's knee. It could be, it could be a whole dozen different things. But like, all right, we, we worked on this problem. We, we got it solved. I feel really good. I'm going to go out there and, and get after a run. And like within a couple of days, you get the same issue going on, on the other side because you haven't worked that side. You haven't addressed that side. Um, and when, we, when it comes to like a, an intense workout, you know, I'm talking just like getting back into running easy. And now we're going to do some type of speed workout. Um, even if you've been running easy for a little bit, speed, you're adding the intensity, you're adding the stress on the body. So absolutely start small. Um, I think strides are a good option. Although I think strides is one of those tricky terms that everybody just defines differently. Um, but, but some type of short pickup where you're not necessarily going all out, 
um, is a good place to start, which is that's how kind of how I describe strides. Whether you do them as part of your run, at the end of a run, you know, 20, 30 seconds where you, you accelerate, you decelerate, but you're never really like all out in that in that phase. I mean, I think that's a good place to, to kind of kick the tires. And then the progression from there um, would be short repeats, but not intense repeats. So maybe you would do like a tempo run effort, which probably isn't, I mean, shouldn't be, as I understand a tempo run where you're talking three, four, five, six miles, um, you know, you're not going to be doing that at like 400 meter sprint pace. Right. But maybe you do tempo run effort for 400 meters and do like a short, short ish repeats, um, where you gradually increase the intensity level over time. Um, the, you know, the rule of thumb with, with speed workouts is that the longer the, the, the repeat, the shorter, you know, the, the less intense they are, but they're all going to be intense, right? Like whether you're hammering mile repeats or 200 meter repeats or anything in between, you're pushing pretty hard. And so I just think, you know, coming back from an injury, um, and especially knowing, you know, just some of the posts that you've had over the, over the, the, the years, Hilda, where it's kind of like, it's been, it's been, I don't want to say there's been more injuries than not, but like, I know it's, I know it's not like this is one, one little injury here. Um, the last thing we want to do for you is, is to, to push too hard when you're coming back and wind up on the shelf again, whether it's a re-injury or something, something completely new. So, um, I would be very conservative. I'd be, you know, get one or two intervals or repeats or whatever you want to call them that are short and not massively intense and call it a day. And then a couple of weeks later, you come back and maybe do three or four, you know, and just, and just very gradual progression. Um, maybe start extending out the, the duration, but keep the intensity kind of in that, that hard, but not, all out kind of hard. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe you never get to all out sprints. Like maybe that's something that, that is just not, not in the cards for you going forward for whatever reason. Like maybe, maybe that type of love, that level of intensity does more harm than it does good. And so you just need to kind of maybe think about recognizing that and just only doing longer repeats or only doing longer tempo runs. Um, or whatever, but that's farther down the road, you know, for right now, kind of getting back into it, keep it short, Yes, you want to push the intensity a little bit, but let's don't get greedy. Don't see how many I can do. Um, get a couple of get, get a couple, and then s- gradually progress over the course of you know eight, ten, twelve weeks versus just diving right into the deep end because that's that's not guaranteeing a problem, but boy, it's looking for a problem, and we don't want a problem, right? So definitely start adding real slow, and and maybe most importantly. And I mean, this goes for anybody coming back from injury or otherwise, but like, listen to your body, right? Like if the plan was to do two repeats and like you get halfway through the first one, you're like, oh shit, this is not, I am not, well then don't freaking do the two, right? Don't even finish the one. Like if, if your body is telling you, no, Hilda, we are not ready for this yet. Don't let your mind get in the way. Don't, don't try to be like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, power through. I'm going to, I'm going to Goggins up, you know, like, like no pain, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, that, that pain sick and, and that's not casting shade on Goggins. I, I disagree with a lot of his stuff, but like, whatever, you know, to each their own. But like, you know, if, if your body's telling you that something's not right as you're getting back into speed work, coming back from an injury, well, by God, listen to your body, right? And even if, even if you could have gone through and been fine afterwards, why take the chance, right? Why take the risk that maybe, you know, I'm going to push this second repeat, even though that first one felt really not, not hard, but like painful. It felt not right. Something felt not right. You know, it's going to feel hard. And if it just feels hard, like, okay. But if it's if something's not right, something's painful, my goodness, you know, listen to your body. Don't force it. Um, or there's every bit of a chance that you're going to be back injured again, which is clearly what we're trying to avoid. So good luck. 
definitely keep it conservative. I, I like that that's what the approach you prefer. Um, I second that approach completely. Um, and good luck. Good luck. Another question from Hilda. Um, or actually a couple questions from Hilda. Two more. Three questions in total. Goodness, we, we've got a Hilda trifecta today. Uh, since you've cut back on your podcast episodes, what are you doing with your extra time? Working on the book, other projects, not complaining, just curious. I don't know. There might be a little complaining in there, but that's okay. That's okay. We're all, I'm a, you know, I'm an open book around here. Uh, honestly, nothing, nothing too exciting yet. Um, it's been, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been a fair bit of work on kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, just kind of working on, on some things like, I, I don't know how much this saying gets out there in the, the quote unquote real world. But in a lot of the, the, the businessy, you know, entrepreneur, internet business communities that I'm in, there's a lot of talk about working on your business versus working in your business. And the, the idea is that when you're working on your business, you're, you're, you're building systems and processes and projects and, and things that, that maybe aren't turning the needle right now or moving the needle right now, but they're, you know, there's something for long-term, long-term growth, right? Um, and when you're working... Uh, or I'm sorry, maybe that's, I don't know, whatever. I get, I get them back, to, back and forth. But one of them is working on longer-term stuff, and one of them is doing the day-to-day stuff. Um, and so w- with with the podcast being, you know, one or two interviews per month now, um, and me not having to chase down guests every week, try to get people lined up, things like that, uh, I've definitely been able to do more of the working on my business or working in my business, whatever. Working on some of those logistical things. And they're not exciting. You know, working on some email sequencing type of things. Um Working on some some, um, I mean I don't know, I don't know how much how much you want to know the sauce I've been working on LinkedIn a little bit more, trying to use that a little bit more for my social media, uh, trying to learn a little bit about that, uh, writing some some new uh, back end stuff again, kind of just code stuff on the website, trying to make that a little bit better. Um, you know nothing nothing exciting. I haven't started working on the book yet. I mean that's that's part of the the, the things I definitely want to start working on. Um, I mean, there's plenty of things I want to do. It's just like I've been been trying to be a little bit more intentional. You think I you think I would have figured this out before? Uh, maybe I figured it out, but you think I'm finally putting it into practice of trying not to keep putting the cart in front of the horse? You know, I've I've been real good at getting too far out in front of my skis and mixing my metaphors and all those types of things. Um, and and I like to think that I'm trying to be a little bit more strategic, a little bit more intentional about you know doing A then B then C versus you know A and then F and then G and then C and then back to to Q and then up to B and like. Try not to bounce around as much. So um, that's that's I think been a lot of what I've been doing. Quite honestly, I've also been doing a little bit more foam rolling. Um, I don't know that it's like it completely been just like well I don't have a podcast episode to record, so let me do some foam rolling. But like I've been really good with foam rolling so far this year, like really good. Um, and some of that is like you know I get to three thirty in the afternoon, and I'm like you know I'm just gonna pull out the foam roller and get after it instead of worrying about, you know, prepping the podcast for this week. Um, not that it's always that, that com- completely A to B, but like there's been some of that too. So some of it's been, it's been kind of personal growth type of things. Um, taking the dogs for a walk, you know, trying to work with Luna a little bit now that she's back from boarding school. I've been, been doing a little bit more with her. Um, so it's a little bit been personal time that's, that's, that's improved or you know, been, been taken advantage of without the podcast. And a lot of just kind of logistical under the hood, nothing exciting just yet. Um, but hopefully things that will, will really, you know, yield some, some fruit and, and be positives long-term that I've probably been putting off if I'm honest with myself for two, three, four years. Um, you know, just haven't been, been important enough. Um, and now I've maybe made them priority that they should have. So that's where I've been spending my extra time. 
um, hopefully, hopefully it'll pay off, you know, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be some things that you'll be able to start to see soon too, in terms of working on the book and in terms of some other ideas that I have for projects and some littler things that are, um, hopefully useful. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted though, for sure. Uh, final question from Hilda. I know you have a goal of running in all States. Have you ran Texas yet? If not, have you given any thought to which race you do? I have not run Texas yet. Um, and I haven't really thought too hard about which race to do. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the, the ones that pop to mind are like Dallas, Houston, uh, just because, I mean, I guess they're kind of big city. They're a little bit more well-known. Um, but you also know me and know that, that I would, I would rather probably run a race with, you know, a thousand people than a race with however many 10,000, 12,000, 15,000, whatever some of those bigger city races have. So, you know, I'm open to something that's, that's a little bit smaller, a lot smaller. Um, you know, I guess, I guess there's a little bit of logistics in terms of travel in, travel out would have to be a consideration. I don't know that I would drive. Um, if I would, I probably wouldn't want to drive all the way to like El Paso, uh, cause that would be a long ass drive. Um, so then maybe I'd stay a little bit farther East. Uh, maybe I would want to go all the way down to South to, to, uh, to San Antonio if I was driving, I don't know. Um, but if I'm flying, you know, then now, now things are opened up, but again, then it's gotta be around someplace that at least got a decent enough regional airport that I can get to. So I don't know. I mean, I, I clearly, I haven't like thought long and hard. Um, I'm open to suggestions though. So if you got, if you got a little race that you're like, this is the one, let me know, let me know. We'll put it on the, uh, the agenda for someday, <laughs> hopefully someday sooner rather than later, but, but someday for sure. But, uh, thank you for the questions, lady. Hope that, uh, your, your reintroduction to speed work goes well. Stay healthy. Okay. Thanks for the questions, Hilda. Next up from Gary Joe, you know, you know what that means. We got, we got three questions from the man with, uh, man with three names. So the first one, uh, single leg balance work. You re- recommended it on one show a while back. D- should I do this whilst holding on to something or free range for lack of better, better terms? So, um, as I, as I understand that question, like if you're doing, working on your balance, which I think is huge, you know, I mean, like, let's not kid ourselves when we're running, we're literally like running is just a series of hopping from one foot to the next, right? Like that's, that's, that's literally what running is. Um, and if your balance is poor, then you have to use more energy to stabilize things like that. So the better balanced you are, the, the more efficient you can be as a runner. Um, and if, if you're working on just basic balance, I'm just going to stand here while I'm brushing my teeth or while I'm waiting for the, the the coffee cup to, to, you know, the coffee pot to brew or whatever, and try to balance on one foot. If, if just picking up, you know, one foot off the ground, six or eight inches is enough to have you wobbling all over the place. Then yeah, put your, put your hand on the wall, right? Like, like try to, try to force yourself to balance as much as possible. But if you're all over the place, then, then give yourself, you know, give yourself a touch point, whether you're, you know, I'm standing here right now, like, you know, just tapping my hand against the, the, the shelf that's next to me, right? Like I'm not like grasping it, but like just, you know, start to wobble a bit, touch it, stabilize, release, touch it, stabilize, release. Like that, that could be an option. You know, if you start getting into more single leg strength training work as well, um, or if that's where the question is directed, I misread it. Apologies. But like, if you're doing a single leg deadlift, right. Or you're doing a lunge or something where, I mean, lunge, I know is kind of technically not a single leg exercise, but it really kind of is a single leg exercise. Uh, but the point being, you know, if you're doing a single leg deadlift, cause that's a good one, right? Um, some people, you know, you, you barely start to move and you're wobbling all over the place. Well then by all means, grab a hold of a chair, right? Gra- use something for balance so that you're able to get the full range of motion. And as your balance improves, you won't have to hold on to it as much, right? And eventually you keep working at it. Um, and again, I mean, this works for just standing there balance or even with, with movement balance in terms of exercises, squats and lunges and things like that. As your balance improves, 
you know, it's like, it's like almost like the chicken and the egg. The balance improves, your range of motion improves, you get more benefit from it. You don't have to touch stuff as much, but it's a progression. So if, if you're really wobbly or, or you just, you know, your balance is just poor, then there's nothing wrong with, with using something to help stabilize yourself until you don't need it anymore. And then that's the progression. Now, now you're able to balance without holding anything. And then as you get really advanced, you start closing your eyes. Um, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Or you get on a, a softer surface. You put a, put a pillow underneath your foot. Um, you know, almost back to Gabriella's question, like get on the sand, try to balance on the sand versus on the hard ground. Hard ground's a whole lot easier, right? So there's, there's all kinds of progressions, but, um, definitely, definitely work on it. Definitely good for you. Um, both for running and just like life, you know, you, you more likely to catch yourself if you, if you stumble on, on something, right? Like if your balance is good, your perception is good. Um, that's, that's helpful. So work on it, my friend. Next up, maybe a chug a lug here. So apologies in advance, but say a friend, I think this friend is you, but say a friend averages 25 to 35 miles a week with the longest run in the six to seven mile range Would signing up for a May marathon. Now be a recipe disaster or a March half marathon. No names being mentioned, but this friend has a three part name, which makes me think it might be you. Um, but just, just in, in this friend's scenario, Gary Joe, I mean, I think that, that, that 25 to 30, I, like this is, this is, this absolutely isn't it depends, but I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a layer of nuance within just the saying that it depends, right? Because I think that 25 to 35 miles per week average is, is solid. I think that, um, six to seven mile long run is, is definitely doable to build from there for a race for a marathon in May. But there's a caveat here, right? Because in theory, you're like, oh, that's four months, but is it though? Is it four months? Like if it's four months, yeah. Okay. We like, it's, it's cut in tight, but we could probably make it work. But like, so we're at the end of January, right? So May is, so we got February. That's one month, March. That's two, April three, May four. Well, if your race is at the end of May, then yeah, you pretty much have four months. So you like, you know, I mean, you can find a billion different one size fits all plans that start you off with a long run of, of kind of six, seven, eight miles and build to marathon readiness in 15, 16 weeks. Right. But if this friend that you're talking about is thinking about running the flying pig marathon, which as memory serves is like the first week, first weekend in may. Now we really only have three months plus or minus. So I don't know what the, the 12, 12 weeks, 13 weeks still doable, but those extra three or four weeks like that, that takes some of the wiggle room away. Right. So we really need things to be kind of really falling in place for the next, the next three months. If we're talking beginning of May, you know, we're talking only three months in preparation time. Um, your average mileage is like, it's like, like, that's great. We can, we can work from that. Um, but making that, that climb from 20, from, from six to seven miles to 26.2 miles. I mean, that's, that's a lot to progress through in, in 12 weeks, especially if this friend that you're talking about, um, has never run a marathon before. Cause I think that's another variable. That's another, that's another layer of nuance here. Like if you're, if you're like Thessaly, who's run however many hundred marathons or something like that, uh, maybe she hasn't run hundred, but I'm pretty sure she's done at least 50. Cause I'm pretty sure she's done all 50 States. Like she could make that build a little bit quicker because she knows what a marathon is like, right? Like I feel like I could, and I haven't run 50 marathons, but I've run, I don't know, 15, 20, something like that. Like, I feel like I could make that, that progression just a little bit quicker because mentally, like I know what I'm getting myself into. You know, my body's been there before it's done that you know, it's done that before. I feel like I could probably do it again. Certainly I want to train, right? I want to be as prepared as possible. But if, if I go into a marathon, marginally undertrained versus when I ran my first marathon, more than marginally undertrained, like 
like there's no question that where I am now, just from the mental side, the experience side would make a, a world of difference, right? So for this, this friend who's trying to, to climb the ladder relatively quickly, it's doable. And I wouldn't say it's a recipe for disaster, but like, this is kind of a, a shit or get off the pot moment, right? Like, like you don't want to kick this can down the road another, another two, three weeks and then be like, well, now I've got 10 weeks left or I'm sorry, your friend doesn't want to be, you know, 10 weeks from now or two weeks from now going, I got 10 weeks. Like, like now, what do you think? Like now I think no, like now, I, you know, two weeks from now, I think no, now I think eh, maybe, but like, we don't got time to dilly dally and we don't have a lot of time for life. We don't have, a, we don't have a lot of ability to adapt if life happens when that's the short of the time frame. A March half, I mean, and again, now you're talking the exact same scenario in terms of are we talking late March, mid-March, early March? Because, you know, if we've got if we've got five weeks, seven weeks, or nine weeks, that's that's a big difference in terms of building up from, from six to seven miles to 13. But, and I, I, I say only here loosely, but it's only 13 miles, right? Like, like, so really, in a month, could you go from six to seven mile long run and still maintain this 25, 35 mile per hour, mile per week uh, volume? Could you get that up to be 13.1 ready? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, def- we, we definitely could. Your friend definitely could. Um, with, with, with still, I mean, it would be still tight, but like, like that's a lot more doable with the, the inevitabilities of life than to try to be perfect for 11, 12 weeks and get ready for a 26.2. So there's time, but I mean, there's not a lot of time to dilly dally for sure. For sure. For whoever, whichever friend this is that also has three parts to their name. Final question from Gary Joe. Utter ridiculousness as per usual. Thanksgiving and Christmas are off the board. What is Diz's favorite holiday? I spent, for, for being an utter ridiculous question, I spent way too much time thinking about this because hands down, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Um, probably, probably if I'm honest, Thanksgiving is the only holiday that I completely take the day off from work. Um, I mean, not that I'm working hard on Christmas Day or, or, or you know, anything like that. But, you know, like Thanksgiving is like, it's simple. It's like get up, it's run. It's drink some coffee, um, you know, muddle through the silly parades that people are watching. And then it's football and then it's food and then it's football and then it's food and, and you rinse and repeat until we shut it down for the day. Um, you know, Christmas time, like Christmas, we, we keep Christmas pretty low key around here, which is kind of my way to live life anyway. Um, but like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's more time just kind of sitting around. There's more, there's more downtime. There's not as much football, although maybe that's going to change in the, in the coming years, but like there's more opportunities to just kind of like dabble to, 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 even if it's just checking in on social media, things like that. Like I don't do much of that on Thanksgiving day, Christmas day. I maybe do a little bit, but if, if those two are off the board, I mean, I think the only other holiday that I even remotely care about is probably new year's, right? Like I don't, I, I don't care about most holidays. Like, I mean, it's cool, whatever, but like. I got things to do, right? Like I don't care about my birthday, which is certainly not a holiday. Um, but I don't, I I mean, there's no, like I, I acknowledge holidays, but like, you know, we got, we got things to do. Um, but so I suppose new year's day would have to be the, the one in large part, not because I'm not necessarily going to work and not necessarily because of the, uh, the fat ass nonsense that we've been doing here. But like, you know, I'm, I'm on record several times of being like, I like a fresh start. Right. And, and I know, and I, and I buy into the idea that like, there's really no difference between, you know, December 31st and January 1st in terms of like, like, it's just, it's one day to the next, to the next, to the next, but like, there's something about that blank canvas. This is the new year. Right. And like, it's new goals. And it's like, all right, well, we got run the year this year. And we got this that I'm working on and that that I'm working on. And so there, there is, for me, there's, there's a level of excitement around, all right, let's, let's, let's run it back. Let's, let's, let's see what this year holds, you know? 
Um, hopefully, it's carry on, carrying on from a good year previously. Like keep the momentum going. But if the last year didn't go quite according to plan, it's like all right, it's 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 a fresh. It's it's just it's that that complete new calendar, new planner, new every like it's just it's fresh. Like that's why I like Monday. Monday is my favorite day of the week, not because I love the start of the work week. Um, and Monday is one of my busiest work days, but I love it because it's a new week, right? Like every, whew, new week, you know, and we get, when we get a Monday that happens to be the start of a new month, whew, like, all right, turning the page. And like this year, Monday was new year's day. Whew, that's the trifecta right there. Um, so yeah, if I can't pick Thanksgiving and Christmas, which would easily be my one and two, then the only other holiday I really care about is, is, uh, the new year's day. New Year's Day. So I guess I guess that's almost by default, but also like I do kind of enjoy New Year's Day. So that's that's gotta be the answer for sure. Uh but thank you for the questions. As always, my friend, uh and, and encourage your friend to make a choice on this May Marathon situation before the choice gets made for him or her because of running out of time. Next up, we got two questions left. First one from Sarah. Um, what are your thoughts on merging zone two running principles with Galloway intervals? Love it. Love it. Um in large part because it's like like they, they just work well together. They work really well together. Um, those little the, whether it's little walk breaks, whether it's long walk breaks, whatever your 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 Galloway intervals might be. Which which for those that don't speak Galloway, it's just kind of a run walk uh, strategy in terms of, of pacing. You know whether it's it's sometimes it can be as short as like thirty seconds run, thirty seconds walk. Uh, it can be several minutes of, of running and and you know thirty seconds or a minute of walking. It can be inverted. It can be several minutes of walking and just you know short thirty second, sixty second run run breaks. Uh, but it's a great way to kind of build build fitness slowly, um, and and also not, and also to keep the intensity in check, right? Which is what all of, all of the heart rate zone two, mafetone, um, whatever whatever you know umbrella you exactly want to fall under in terms of effort based training. It's all about keeping your easy runs easy, and I think that that an, a great way to do that is with Galloway, right? With that run walk, provided that you're not just trying to like turn your, your Galloway run walk intervals into like speed intervals, right? Like we're not, we're not trying to, to race those, like just keep it nice and easy. Then you got to walk break, catch your breath, keep it nice and easy, walk break, catch your breath. Um, so in that scenario, I mean, I think, I think they work, they work wonderfully together. Um, you, you might have a hard time keeping your heart rate kind of up towards the upper end of your aerobic zone, but that's fine. Right? Like, like, like that's one of those details that I don't get caught up in. As long as I'm under, as, as long as I'm, whether it's zone one and zone two, whether it's just under the mafetone line, whatever, um, as long as I'm easy, I'm, I'm hundred percent confident I'm making progress. Um, and so if, you know, if you're doing Galloway and you're, you're feeling like your heart rate's having a hard time really getting into zone two and staying there, don't worry about it. Right. Like don't start goosing your, your, your run intervals to spike your heart rate up so that when you take your walk break, it keeps down in zone two. No, 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 no. Keep it easy. Keep your heart rate. Try to keep it never going above zone two if, you, if you're kind of in that zone two uh, of you know philosophy. Um, and if and if it gets down into zone one once in a while, or especially when you're doing your walk breaks, that's okay. You're still making progress. You're, you're still building the aerobic engine. You're still building your endurance. You're still building your fitness. All the things are, are working in concert between zone training, Maffetone training, Galloway method. Love it. Love it. Totally work well together. Uh, last up from Natasha, fresh off her first 50k. Congratulations, m'lady. Uh, thinking of signing up for a 12-hour race and trying to hit 50 miles in that time. Pros or cons of doing a timed race versus a mileage race when there's a specific mileage goal. Um, I mean, I think it. I think it's fine. I, I think that I think that they can work very, very well together. Um, I think that that it's not. It doesn't always work, though. You know, I think that that um, sometimes in a timed race, it's it's 
it can be easy for, for those of us, myself included, where the mental side maybe trips us up more than the physical side to be like, you know, you, you, you're running typically those timed races. There's some type of loop, whether it's a mile loop or two mile loop or whatever, but like you kind of keep running back past your, your car or past the start finish line every, every so often. Um, it's a little bit easier to maybe get to mile 40 and it sucks. And you're like, fuck it. You know, like I'm done with this. Like, yes, I've still got two hours to go. I know I could get to 50 miles, but like, I don't want any more and I'm done. Right. Versus if you're doing a proper 50 mile race and you're out and you're 10 miles from the finish line, like, I mean, you still could pull the plug if you get to an aid station, they could, but like you might be stuck sitting at the aid station for three hours before somebody comes to get you. Um, in which case you probably could have just sucked it up and gotten the final 10 miles and got your finish, you know, done the 50 mile finish and been done with it. Um, but where there's a negative, there's a positive. I, I mean, I think that running the loops, um, is great in terms of, ease of, of access to things, especially if they're kind of shortish loops, you know, a couple, one mile, two mile, three mile loops. Like you're never that far away from, from refuel, right? You're never that far. You don't need to carry a bunch of stuff with you. Cause it's not like you got 10 miles between aid stations. Like you got, you got what? 40 minutes, maybe depending on what you're pacing and what the train is like, you know, you, like, and even then there's, there's a lot of times there's like, you know, there's, there's the main aid station, there's a the water stop. So you're, you, you never more than like a mile and a half or two miles from water. Um, so you might still carry a water bottle with you, but like, you know, you, you can, you can drop a layer, you know, if, if the weather's changing, if it's, if it's hot and then it's cooler, if it starts er, early in the, when it's cool, you can wear, you can wear a decent, decently nice clothes, run, nice running gear that you don't want to just toss away. Um, you know, and after, after the first loop or the second loop, you like, you know, you just put it in your car, right? Like it's, it's easy to just drop it off versus having to carry it with you and then hope that your, your, your drop bags get brought back to you. And like, it's just the logistics of, of, a point to point or a big circle, even just big loops, um, are different than it is in a, in a timed race. So, um, I think that there's plenty of benefits. I think that, that there's also the benefit of like, you might could just surprise yourself. Right. And if your goal is to hit 50 miles, you might get to 50 miles and it might only be 12 or 10 and a half hours. It might only be 11 hours. And you might just be like, well, damn, I still feel pretty good. Right. Like I'm going to go for another loop. And now you got 52 and then you're like, I'm going to go again. And now you got 54 and you, you know, you might end up blowing past your, your, your goal target because the race is still going and you still have the option to keep going. So, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of, of pros and cons of, of, you know, a timed race versus a mileage race. I think it's, I mean, it's the same thing with a, with a looped race versus a point to point or something like that. Um, but I don't, I don't think that, that any of them are game changers one way or the other. Like, I think that if there's a 12 hour race that's, that's convenient for you, or it's a place that you want to travel to and you're like, I'm going to set the mileage goal for 50 miles. Like, like do it, do it. And if there's not, but there's a 50 mile race that you want to do, then just do, then do that. You know, but like, like this is one of those where like, there's a bunch of, like I said, bunch of pros, bunch of, bunch of potential cons, but like, don't overthink it. Like a good race is a good race. Um, and I mean, you're going to, you're going to have some rough patches over 50 miles. Right. But I know the 50 K went really, really well for you. Um, so it's only another, you know, another few hours and, and I think that you can definitely do 50 miles in, in 12 hours. No problem. Um, so you got plenty of time. You don't have to worry about cutoffs. Like, like Michaela was talking about things like that. Um, you know, you know, when the cutoff is right, it's 12 hours. Like that's the cutoff. Uh, there's nothing that you have to hit to mileage wise in between that. So you can pace however you want to. Um, I mean, I say go for it, but you know, that's just me. But I, I think that, I think that a 12 hour race with a 50 mile goal is is 
I don't see any major cons to that for sure. For sure. So give it hell and let's, let's hear how it goes. Right. And, and speaking of how it goes, that's how it went. That's the month's questions. there, all answered at least all the questions that I got. So thanks to everybody for, for chipping in. Uh, what, what did you like? What did you not like? What made sense? Maybe Lewis needs to clarify some things for me so I can try to answer his question. Um, whatever it is, what answer did you agree with? What did you disagree with? At Dizruns on all the social medias, Dizruns at gmail.com if you want to shoot me an email. Uh, and of course, if you want to head over to the, the blog post for today, which really just has a list of all the questions and then some type of meme or GIF answer uh, because I can't be bothered to type proper answers there. You get the, you get the proper answers here. You get my... I scratch my meme and Jeff itch in the show notes with answers there. Uh, you can check those out at disruns.com slash 1217 disruns.com slash one, two, one, seven. There's also that comment section as per usual. There's also some other links, things like that, that you might find useful in the blog post. Also in the information that goes with your, you know, whatever device you might be listening to this on. Uh, you can also get all that information there as well. Links and the whole nine, I guess there's not a comment section on, you know, Apple podcast app or, or what are the kids using these days? I was going to say Stitcher, but Stitcher went out of business. Uh, Spotify, you know, wherever you listen to this. Overcast, that's where I'm listening. Um, but you can get all the links and stuff there as well. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Once again, if you want to get your questions featured in uh, next month's, because uh, I, I guess after 10 years, we'll keep doing this. I guess that's the plan. Uh, we'll do this again at the end of February. If you want to get your questions answered in February or March or April or May or, you know, the calendar, right? Like whatever month comes next. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the link. Or uh, just next time you're searching on Facebook, just search for the Disruns Drive. Come say, say, yeah, I want to join this this group of miscreants. We'll let you in, and as long as you don't be a complete and utter douche, we'll let you stay, and we'll have some fun with you. And then when the post comes out mid-month, it says, what are your questions? You put them in the comments. Bada-boom, bada-bam. We'll do this again a month from now. So until then, y'all, thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking me with you today. Hopefully there was at least one thing that was useful from today. I'm always doubtful that there is, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, there was something useful from today's episode. Um... So yeah, thanks for being part of this uh, little world. Let's let's keep doing the, the podcast in, uh, in 2024, and uh, we'll see where it takes us a year from now. But until then, y'all be well. Take good care. We'll talk to you again soon. And uh, there you go.